Beyond debating how to control costs and provide medical care to the uninsured, there are a number of long-term and fundamental issues that need to be addressed to fix the nation's health care system. An effort known as the Aspen Institute Stewardship Project aims to do just that. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and with me today is Dr. Michelle McMurray, who is director of the Health, Biomedical Science, and Society Policy Program at the Aspen Institute. The Aspen Institute is a nonprofit think tank that works to bring various groups together from government and industry to scholars and policy experts. Trained in pediatrics and molecular immunology, Dr. McMurray has transitioned into health and sciences policy, focusing her work on the intersection of biomedical research funding policies and healthcare disparities in global health inequities. She has been a global health fellow at the Council for Foreign Relations and is an adjunct assistant professor of health policy at George Washington University, among her many past academic and policy roles. She joins us today from the Aspen Institute's offices in Washington, D.C. Dr. McMurray, welcome to ReachMD XM Channel 157, the channel for medical professionals. Glad to join you. Well, so tell us about this Aspen Institute Stewardship Project, because there are so many things going on this year with the election and the uninsured. So if you could just give us a little background on it and how it is going to set itself apart in all of the exciting things that we're going to be talking about this year. You know, one of the things we had to deal with when we thought about how could the Aspen Institute contribute in this area is the fact that clinicians in particular, myself included, just get bored about the conversation about health reform sometimes. You know, we know it's critical. We know there's so much to be done. But often we feel like we're speaking into the void when we try to involve policymakers and make them understand how complex the system is and yet how important it is to try to address it. So what we thought we'd do is apply what Aspen does best, which is really bring together bipartisan convenings of thought leaders from a wide spectrum of background, including clinicians, and really get them to say, okay, for the first time in our presidential election history, we have both sides of the aisle talking about expanding access to health insurance. Now, Granted, they have many different ways of getting there, and there's a lot to debate about which of those approaches would be most effective. But for the first time, we have both Republicans and Democrats saying we need more access to affordable health insurance. So if that is an agreed-upon goal now, if we haven't yet agreed upon the means, we've at least agreed upon the goal, then what's going to come next? Because as most clinicians know, health insurance alone does not guarantee that people are going to be healthy, that our nation's going to get healthier, that health costs are going to be under control at some point in the future, and that people have a healthier future to look forward to. Currently, if we just try to put more people under the linky tent that we feel is our healthcare system, we think it's going to be under threat of collapse. So we really set out to say, okay, what would really make the nation healthier? Insurance is important, but beyond that, what are we going to do to really fix the system? Where do you think this will head, or where is it at what point? Because you bring up some interesting points. I mean, I think that providers of medical care, doctors, a lot of people, their eyes kind of glaze over, they get cynical because they've heard all this before on the policy front. But when you're talking about healthier lifestyles and rather than just simply expanding the pool of health insurance, I mean, those are interesting things. I mean, do you think that the stewardship project will, what do you think it will start off addressing, or what are some of the people involved, the bipartisan group? 
group involved? What are they want to tackle first? First thing we did is we brought the group together. We have an amazing advisory board, and our four co-chairs include Christy Todd Whitman, Joe Hogan, the CEO of GE Healthcare, Mark Gantz, who heads a Blue Cross Blue Shield out in the Pacific Northwest, and Elizabeth Teisberg, who co-wrote Redefining Healthcare with Michael Porter, who's also on our advisory board. And we brought this group together and said, okay, if you really had a blank slate, what would you say is most important? And they devised 10 principles. And getting this group to concur on 10 principles of um, building a healthier nation was really quite a feat, but it was an amazing process to watch. I mean, the minds at work were just stimulating. And they made some very good points. The first point you'll see in our name, we call it the Aspen Health Stewardship Project. And we call it that because we feel that health is a resource that we should be stewarding both individually and collectively, much like we think about stewarding our financial resources or our environmental resources. We really think that's important going forward, that we as individuals and a nation realize that this is something valuable that we need to protect and invest in. If we invest in it, it will grow. If not, it will continue to be squandered. And so that was the first thing that they all agreed on. Then they came up with these principles, which are just amazing to think about. I mean, the very first one is kind of grabbing. It says access is not enough, which is the point I alluded to earlier when I said that health insurance is so important. It's so critical. Every American should be insured. But access to health insurance alone will not make you healthy. And so how can we really achieve that goal, which is our primary goal? And the rest of the nine principles really address that. Well, if you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter for the Chicago Tribune. And joining me today is Dr. Michelle McMurray. She's with the Aspen Institute Stewardship Project out of Washington. And one of the things that they are addressing. It's brought together a bipartisan group of people to address not only just access to health insurance, as we were just talking about, but actually investing in health care and the fact that access is not enough. And you were just talking, Dr. McMurray, about that. Maybe we could explore that a little bit further, because I think that that often is a key in the fact that uh, we have a largely doctor audience with this show, and, and a lot of people get upset about having to spend a lot of money to invest in information systems to make sure that they're prepared for electronic medical records or e-prescribing and things like that at a time that perhaps Medicare reimbursement or Medicaid reimbursement is being squeezed. So that's a great idea that these folks are talking about investing in health because a lot of people just look at it as like we have to give more money, throw more money at it to cover people. Exactly. And, you know, we're not saying that Medicare reimbursement rates shouldn't be higher. I personally think that they should be much higher. And we're not saying that efforts to expand health insurance are not important. They're incredibly important. But as most clinicians know, there's so much else to be done. I mean, one of our principles was, I am in charge of my health. And that was not trying to blame the victim. This is not using the catchphrase personal responsibility, which some people take to mean blaming people who are ill for their illness. This is just saying that the best health advocate is often the patient themselves, but they can only play that role if they're armed with the information that they need. And that information is acute, meaning it's available to them when they need it. It's accurate and it's actionable. And so we feel that that's so important to create a system that really empowers the individual so that they can maintain their health when they're healthy and then provide that really active patient role that every clinician wishes for when they're ill. We think that's so important. And you mentioned investing in IT and how that's really strapped our healthcare providers today, and know that's the case. 
one of the things we really wanted to do was make sure that we call for an effective and transparent healthcare system, and one of our principles addresses that. But that in addition, we also really had a call to action to turn information into insight. If we're asking clinicians to do all of this, to invest in information technology and to submit clinical data, we should be trying as a nation to harness the conclusions that we can gain from that data and really make sure that we are using the best practices going forward. Now, I know best practices are somewhat controversial. You know, who gets to determine what's best? And should the government really be telling us how to practice medicine? And medicine is as much an art as it is a science. All that is understood. But we can find better ways to work together so that as a whole, we are getting as much information as possible out of all the treatment we are providing and becoming better as we practice. Could you give our listeners an example, if I'm a physician or patient listening, and you talk about being a health advocate or having the best information available, perhaps walk us through something that is not being done that could easily be done that in perhaps some of these folks on the committee have talked about it? Well, you know, one of the questions that comes up quite often is, you know, de-identifying patient data so that it can be amassed in large quantities and looked at and examined for new insights and new treatment regimens. And then, you know, that whole question about submitting efficacy data, both for individual clinicians and hospitals. I know that's sometimes controversial, and I know that often the best clinicians treat the sickest patients, and so sometimes their efficacy rates might be a bit deceiving. But as one of our co-chairs, Elizabeth Kaisberg, has said, what you measure will improve. And so making sure that we are capturing that data and discussing it publicly. And if our measurements are not the right ones, then we also need to be discussing that and coming up with better measures of our success so we know when we're doing well and we'll also know when we're doing not so well. And you bring up an excellent point because in my many years as a reporter covering the industry, you know, you look at the Vioxx situation or some of these situations where the FDA is reliant on a lot of providers out there to report adverse events and physicians aren't reporting adverse events. And so you kind of wonder uh, when we talk about transparency and getting the best information, there's got to be a better way to gather this so people know what's out there because you could have prevented a Vioxx earlier in the process rather than after it was on the market for several years. And also, you know, you brought up something earlier about expanding access to health insurance and the fact that this is a very interesting year because both candidates are talking about that. That is important because that hasn't always been the case. So interesting. Most people forget that the very first president to try to get universal health insurance was FDR, and he couldn't get it as part of the New Deal. And then Johnson wanted it as part of the Great Society and failed as well. Truman even had an attempt at it, as did Nixon. It's been a very difficult road to hoe for many presidents. And I think it's something we're getting closer to, something we have to work harder at. But I also think that part of the consistent failure that we've seen in this effort since the 1940s is the fact that increasing access to what we currently provide could cripple us. And as much as clinicians want to make sure that they can treat everyone, and most clinicians already do, so they want to make sure they can be paid for treating everyone, which is only fair, we also have to realize that as a nation, a lot of our policymakers have other priorities. So how do we make the case? And part of that is proving the value and the quality of what clinicians provide every day and improving that value and quality if possible so that we're paying for the most effective things. One of our principles is we should focus on health span, not lifespan. And that means focusing on increasing the number of healthy years and not just the number of years of life. 
And interestingly enough, when we polled the American public on some of these principles, they were very much in favor of that principle. And yet it's not reflected in how we pay for health care today. We don't pay for many of the preventive services that clinicians provide often out of the goodness of their hearts currently. And we don't focus our entire system on moving people towards that goal. And we also don't show the value of prevention in the way we currently measure success or failure in treatment. So making sure that we're measuring the impact of prevention, we're providing prevention services and then covering those services so that they're not provided haphazardly, and then also making sure that we're paying for high-quality care when people do get sick are all very important parts of the process. Well, we would like to thank Dr. Michelle McMurray, who's been our guest. She's with the Aspen Institute Steward Project, and if you'd like more information on the Aspen Institute Stewardship Project, you can go to www.aspenhealthstewardship.org and find out about this evolving project in what is a very exciting year in potentially expanding health benefits and access to health care in this country. My name is Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune. I've been your host, and I'd like to thank you today for listening. To listen to our on-demand library, including this program, visit us at ReachMD.com, register with promo code RADIO, and receive six months free streaming for your home or office. If you have comments or suggestions, call us at 888-MD-XM-157. And I'd like to thank you today for listening.